today about joy in believing. Joy in believing. If you remember from a couple weeks ago, we had a little definition for joy, and it wasn't about the whoop of joy, it was about what's behind it. Joy is radical trust in God, and it's and, and so deeply said, and so sincere, that you just can't help but express on the outside. It's a trust in God that um, will uh, change your outlook, your attitude, even your emotions, dare I say, even your actions. We're talking about joy in believing. And I just want to field the question. When you are feeling joy, when you are sitting in that trust, how, well, what are your actions like? What's your, what's your system of dealing with the world? My dad is a pastor, and when he was joyous, when he was trusting God, man, things happened. Our family changed. The church would change. My mom would just be resplendent with joy because my dad was able to love her so well. Us kids, we were secure in our relationship with our father. It was because he was believing in the promises of God. And here's the deal, when you believe in those promises, it means that you don't have to be in control. God's in control, right? Here's the deal, though, is that joy and belief that idea, God's in control, so I get to be free, has an enemy, and it's anxiety. It's anxiety. When my dad was anxious about something, all of a sudden he became controlling. He became, uh, sometimes he used the silent treatment. He'd say, now you think about what you've done. And I'm just like, Dad, I didn't do anything. I'm just a kid. Or perhaps he would um, all of a sudden have to fix everything around himself. And he'd say something like, son, you were wrong to do this, and I, and I want you to know that. Yeah, Dad, you're right. I was, that was, I was an idiot. No, 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 no. I want us to be okay. I'm like, Dad, we're not going to be okay for like two minutes because I'm still upset. And we'll be fine. No, we need to be fine right now. Like, Dad, you're being a jerk. Stop. And that anxiety is just cyclical. And it changes the way you act. Now, some of you, maybe you have another way of dealing with your anxiety, but more often than not, it's, it's going to be counterintuitive to your belief. Because belief says, I trust in God. God is in control. God is in control. And anxiety says, I got to get in control. Any way I can. I don't care who gets hurt. I don't care who, what toes I have to step on. I don't care who I have to guilt trip, get the silent treatment to. I don't care what I have to fix. I got to get in control, and I got to get in control now. So, of course, it's, it, it's, it's going to affect the way that we have joy and believing in Jesus. But when we act out of that belief, beautiful things happen. And we see that in our text. We're going to kind of go through it kind of slowly today, text. Um, going to revisit some verses and whatnot. But first, I want to look at the first verse. The text today is Philippians 4, verse 4. It starts there. Rejoice the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Going back to verse 4, we see how joy benefits our relationship with God and our relationship with ourselves. Rejoice is the verb for joy. Rejoice. Let your trust in God shout out. Let it express itself. Enjoy life. Trust that God's in control. 
and, and have that sit in the, your relationship with Jesus. And do it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in all things. And then it also affects how we treat each other. Let your gentleness, in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. If I am at peace with God, and I'm trusting that he's in control, all of a sudden I can treat Jason so much better because I'm not using him as a tool to get control. Those of you who are in marriages and have done some deep thinking of that, just because that's such an intimate relationship, or even with your kiddos as they get older, you'll realize these things. Oh, man. I just used you to get control of my life. That's kind of messed up. But if you don't have to do that, you can be gentle, loving, caring, kind. But then anxiety kicks in. And I I have a long history of counseling um, because my dad just sort of taught me that counseling is part of any lifestyle. Whether you're healthy or unhealthy, whether you're going through good times or bad, go to counseling. Just because that person is a professional at you discovering more about yourself. So in counseling, I learned um, two things. I learned, one, that anxiety, so now the anxiety is the antithesis of belief. Anxiety says, I have to be in control. All that is, the official definition of anxiety is a defense mechanism against fear. When something happens that I don't understand, that I'm afraid of, I get afraid, and all of a sudden, I got to react, man. So, I have a girlfriend. She is lovely. Perfect. <laughs> She's going to be listening to this later. <laughs> She's really perfect. <laughs> no, but we are so different. I'm an external processor. She's an internal processor. So, when something happens in her life um, that she has to process, I have this hidden expectation. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about this until midnight, and then we're going to get coffee later, we're going to talk about it again, and we're just going to process, and it'll be so much fun. And she's like, I'm going to go watch Harry Potter and read a book, and I'll let you know whenever I figured out my emotions. And what does that do in me? I'm afraid because I've lost control of the situation. I can see my ability to be a good boyfriend, for me to have control, for me to show my mastery over my emotions slipping away. No! And I freak out, and I say... How are you feeling? And she's like, I'm okay. But I know that there's like cogs turning. So it's like five minutes later, I'm like, how are you feeling now? <laughs> Doing okay still? How's, how's our day? Did you like our day? Did you like the flowers? And she's like, what are you doing? But it, sometimes it, it just causes her to shrink in more. And maybe you're the person that shrinks in whenever you get anxious. And you need to stretch and give them a, a little bit of something so that they don't go crazy. I say that, I don't say my bad. <laughs> the other thing I learned in all my years of counseling, um, it was uh, when we get anxious, we have three involuntary responses. Keyword involuntary. So you can't, there's a point where you can't stop it. It's going to happen. And it's fight, flight, or fix. And in this counseling appointment, he's a little stuffed animals, and there was a dragon and a bee. That's neither here nor there. Um, and you might be one of those people. You might get aggressive when you're anxious. And therefore, you don't even think you ever have anxiety. You just, you just think you're angry. You might have to fix everything, like me and my dad. You might turn into a turtle and just have to walk away and and these things aren't bad in themselves, but here's the kicker. When that anxiety, that fear, that need for control 
is deciding how you act? How can you love someone? When, when When your body is involuntarily causing you, your mind is causing you to act in selfishness, to just get control of the situation because you're scared, how can you love someone? And how can you believe in the goodness of Jesus and that he's in control? So what I hope you're seeing right now is this picture of the trouble with belief and joy and anxiety and fear. And Paul gives us very explicit instructions on how to deal with anxiety. But first I want to tell you a story, okay? And uh, we're getting this out because I like to draw, but it's ironic because today we have a professional artist in the house, so don't judge me. (laughs) All right, so I grew up on a farm, and this uh, wasn't your normal farm, it was a Texas farm, um, which means it's really sketch. And uh, we raised goats. And when I was 10 years old, 85 pounds soaking wet, um, I really upset my dad one day on the farm. I don't know what I did. And uh, so here's me. I'm itty bitty, very small, and weird hair all the time. And um, my, uh, I really upset my dad one day, and I loved working with the goats. So I said to myself, I'm going to pin the goats. It's evening time. It's time for the goats to be in their pen. Dad's busy doing something else on the farm. I'm going to pin the goats. I'm going to earn my dad's love back. So I called the goats. We had this goat call to where they would come to you instead of you having to chase them. And it was, so like I'm 10 years old. And so it comes out like, it's like my voice cracks. But they come. They're very nice goats. They come inside the pen. And the last one in the pen is the billy goat. The billy goat is the alpha male of the herd. Um, Typically, he's the only male. And uh, our billy goat was about this high, but about 200 plus pounds. Just thick, stocky. This was before his fat phase, so he was just muscle. Um, His name was General. And General walked into the pen, and then immediately decided, I was not done eating the bush that I started earlier. I don't want to be pinned. And he starts walking out. And as he's walking out, I'm closing this gate with this janky little wire and like some duct tape or something. We're not a super fancy farm. And there you have General. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to draw flames coming off his head because it's just evil. Okay. <laughs> so there you have General, and he starts pushing against the gate. And I start pushing back because I'm trying to get this stupid wire on, and we're having this tugging match. Well, now, you can probably do the math. 85-pound 10-year-old versus a 200-plus-pound wild animal. He backs up, charges the gate, and busts it open. I go flying back. I catch myself. Next thing I know, he charges me again. I have his horns. He's got my gut. He's swinging me around. Somehow his horns get caught up in my leg. Skinny, skinny legs. And he lifts me up, throws me on the ground. I'm on my back. He's up. He extends onto his back legs to his full six feet height, 200 pounds, brings his hooves up, slams them down on the ground about six inches in front of me. I'm freaked out. He backs up to charge again. At the time, I thought, he's going to kill me. He's probably thinking to himself, this is hilarious. (laughs) Bounding over the fence. 
with all the rage and protective instinct I've ever seen was my dad. He took General, threw him back into the pen, and that wasn't enough. He walked up to him, General's on the ground, like, what is going on? He picks him up WWE style over his head, throws him down again, kicks him, turns around, closes the gate, and says, I think I can only do that once. <laughs> I tell that story because of the following verses. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a key word whenever I read this verse that makes me think of that story. It's the word guard. When you think about guard, you may think of that one football game. Or you may think of our lovely veterans, as amazing as they are at guarding us. I think of my dad. This didn't just keep me safe. He attended to the issue. And he made sure it wouldn't happen. Here's the deal. It's that what God is guarding, what God wants to protect in you, is your heart. The deepest parts of yourself and your mind. Those genuine golden parts of your soul. And oftentimes, we can see, because the goat is the most evil thing I can think of, we're drawing a goat again. We see what's making us anxious. We see this anxiety. Maybe it's something we're afraid of. Maybe it's something that consistently makes us anxious. And we have our own ways of stopping that anxiety. Maybe we're going to fight it. Maybe we're going to flee from it, or maybe we're just going to fix it. But it's just a stinking wooden pin with a couple of nails, duct tape, and a rubber band. It's not going to withstand. Someday, that anxiety is going to crush that gate, throw us down, have its way with us. And the thing is, is that it's going to be involuntary. And maybe we'll be okay, or maybe we could hurt people. And maybe we will try to trust in our own self-control instead of trusting in God. Here's the deal, though, is that when we doubt this, I want you to remember one thing. I want you to remember that the biggest issue humanity will ever face has been taken care of already. Believing something to me is just taking it for given. It's a given. As a Christian, you've Subscribe to the idea that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose again, and that's a given. If that one massive truth is a given, then maybe a verse like this can be a given for you too. See, I can't defend, I couldn't defend myself against an angry and hungry and overweight goat. I can't defend myself today against my anxiety for very long. And I would hate to think about the involuntary responses that I would incur upon my girlfriend, my father, my boss, my friend. So God, that's why Paul says, do not be anxious, back in verse 6. Do not be anxious 
about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, which is just prayer that is so consistent and just so stubborn that it's annoying. That's why petitions work. (laughs) Be the story of the widow who went to the judge over and over again until he heard her case. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Use thanksgiving as a weapon against control, as a weapon against anxiety. What are you thankful for? Present your request to God. Don't be shy about it, man. He loves you. But here's what happens. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, when I can't understand my anxieties, when I can't understand what's going on, His peace will show up and it's in a different ballgame that transcends understanding. It will guard the deepest parts of you in Christ Jesus. In his death, his blood, his resurrection, your baptism. You won't have to deal with it. You'll have to pray. You'll have to pray again and 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 again. But he protects you. Guards you. He's there for you. He's going to kick its butt. <laughs> for you. So that way you can rejoice, rejoice. And I say it again, so that way you can rejoice always. So that way you can be gentle. And that way you can believe and have joy in your trust in Jesus. So join with me in prayer. And... A lot of times we just tack on prayer. This is a secret. Maybe it's not true for Jason. Sometimes we tack on prayer at the end of our sermons because we're like praying in ourselves. Dear God, I hope that was a good message. <laughs> but I'm, we're really going to pray. I'm going to pray for myself and I, and I would be honored and overjoyed if you partner with me in praying for yourself. And just in your heart or maybe just under your breath, join with me in praying this prayer that Paul talks about right now. Just join with me, please. Father, you love us and you are good and you are in control. When I believe in you, I can let that control shape my life. I can let your goodness change how I interact with you. When I believe that you're in control, I can rejoice. Because I don't have to. The Father, anxiety plagues me day and night. Anxiety is screaming at me to take control because it doesn't trust you. Father, anxiety is from fear and not from love. So, Lord, Pray to you. Focus me first on Jesus, his death and blood. And I also pray that whatever is causing anxiety, would you give me a way of escape? Father, if I'm talking to someone I love, they're, they're just not going fast enough. They're just not processing enough. They're not doing it my way. 
Would you give me the patience to love them? To love my neighbor as myself. Father, help me to pray over and over again, fully trusting and believing that you will guard me. Father, I know that you will guard me in Christ Jesus. You will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So God, I pray whatever is making me anxious later today, tomorrow, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Give me the strength of faith to know that when I pray, you will guard me. You will protect me. And you will see that I am saved. We love you, Lord. You are life, you are goodness, and to believe in you and trust in you is better than any sense of control I could have over my life. In the mighty name of Jesus, who secures our safety and guards us with his blood and death. Amen. 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 We're going to sing a new song now called Jesus is Better. Um, we, uh, we don't want to trick you guys out too much, so we don't do new songs that often, but this is a special song because it reminds you on what to focus on. That, that critical jump from acting out of your anxiety to acting out in love is to trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ and to trust that he will do what he says. So this song, I encourage you to stand up and sing with me. Um, so that way we can all fix our eyes and our mind and our hearts on the fact that He is better, He loves us, and He will guard you when anxiety attacks.